0: Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Underway, episode 62 is going to be an exciting one. I I brought back my guest and co-host, good friend Connor Larson with all things analysis. We're going to go over our conference final, NFL playoff conference final round, projections, analysis, previews, everything in that, more. We got some stuff... uh, Kind of teed up for us uh, as we start the podcast before we transition to this week's games. But Connor, before I get too far into it, welcome back to the podcast, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on, Benny. Great to be here as usual. What's poppin'? Dude, where's my what's poppin'? What's poppin'? Dude, Dude, come on. It's been a rough week. I'm tired. Yeah, Connor had a real not rough much work is week right now. Yeah, it's been a long one for Connor. It's been a, it was a long one for me too. I mean, just I started the week off real miserable with my gambling picks last week and my projections. I mean, what's crazy is, so I I really just did so bad in my gambling last week. Like I, I I did not hit many picks. The only one I kind of hit was I, I leaned Cleveland like plus ten, but I was like, yeah, it was a weird week of football. And like that, the, the biggest thing for me was the shocking. Performance out of Baltimore's offense. They only scored three points. The two missed field goals from Justin Tucker didn't help. But we'll get into that. What we have under underway today. We we obviously have our week or what week twenty is the AFC conference champ or the the uh, conference championship round. Week twenty, we're in the, for the NFL twenty twenty one NFL season now, and we uh, really um, before we we even start talking about the games, we have four really, really good teams and four really good quarterbacks. Like, it's regardless of what your opinion is on who's going to win what game, what your picks are for these games, like, w- you got to be excited for the matchups we got. Like, I was talking about the entire, you know, playoff previews that we had already been doing on the podcast. Like, I'm so excited we got Brady and Rodgers. That's amazing. Like, possibly two, two of the, the greatest, like, three to four quarterbacks all time. And Mahomes versus Allen is incredibly exciting and hopefully Mahomes is 100% we'll get into that when we get to that game but Connor the last time we spoke we had a different president as the United States president so before we kick it off kick off the podcast and start talking about start talking sports wanted to kick it your way what are your what were your thoughts on the Joe Biden presidential inauguration Does it feel any different to be a country no longer having trump at the head of it leading us does it feel any different having you know someone who actually knows how to competently speak to public you know public the public knows how to you know form words together that assemble some sort of educated conversation is that does that feel any different
1: to you well the argument could be made that when biden's freestyling he's he's no better than donald trump off the top (laughs) of the dome but uh it, it 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 was strange, you know, coming into this week. You, I was just a bit worried about some some other stuff that could pop off after the the Capitol riots, and you know, I I really didn't know what to expect in terms of what we would hear from Trump. You know, we know his Twitter account was silent, so is he going to pop up on the news? And he's he's been relatively silent, and you know, he didn't go to the inauguration the first time a president has done that in I don't know what a hundred years or ever ever yeah right (laughs) maybe maybe when uh, JFK was assassinated that was the last time (laughs) right yeah and a lot of president didn't attend the new inauguration well you know Obama was there Clinton was there and uh, George Bush was there so even though Trump wasn't there we had three previous presidents showing up uh, and and everything seemed to go off without a hitch so you know we have a a new president and luckily the transition was was peaceful this time around and i'm glad everyone learned a bit of a lesson they definitely reinforced uh the inauguration with the the, the armed guard the military there um yeah a strong was military presence there, which is cool um so yeah it's uh it's it's nice you know i'm glad democracy prevailed in the end and america is still america yeah um,
0: quickly, just wanted to mention. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point about how Trump didn't show up to the inauguration. Um, Pence was there, so clearly some just further factors and and signs that there was not a not a whole lot of unity and camaraderie between Pence and Trump down the down the stretch there and their presidential campaign, um, their four years there on, in the White House. But um, the highlights for the the, the inauguration were were for me the Amanda Gorman speech was off, off the top like that was that, did you did you watch that speech it was like reminiscent of a Martin Luther King Jr speech like just her way she delivered it the way her words were so poetic and very inspiring like that was truly uh, a a poem or a speech that America, I think, regardless of what your political stance or opinions are, was one that every everybody felt, every American should listen to that and, and feel inspired about what our country could be in, it, in such a beautiful, you know, the way she puts it and everything. It was, I thought it was a, one of my favorite speeches that I've heard in the public p- political realm in quite some time. Did you, did you listen to it, Connor?
1: uh no not specifically uh not at all actually I, I didn't catch any of the uh the inauguration besides uh just the bernie oh, memes you gotta uh, listen to this. The yeah <laughs> that was the other
0: highlight for me the bernie memes bernie really blowing up with these memes of I it mean, it was funny he was just sitting there in his coat that he had the other meme in where he's like i'm here asking you today it was the same coat that he's wearing in that one too so it was, that was funny you only need one good coat uh, yeah and then the mittens became a story and everything. That was just, that was a good one. That was a good storyline. Um, another one on the day um, was the Trump, the Donald Trump note that apparently he, I mean, it's a it's a custom for the residing president to leave a note in the, um, what do you call it? the resolute desk in the Oval Office. So apparently Trump left Biden a note and uh, hopefully it'd be interesting to see what that kind of said in it. I I mean, apparently it was gracious, which doesn't really sound exactly like Donald Trump, but you know, it'd be interesting to see what he wrote in there. And uh, I don't know that we ever will, but you know, that'd be, that'd be pretty neat. And then the other thing on on the day, the last note I, I had for the inauguration was right from the start, Biden signed, I think 17 executive orders. So clearly just a strong sign right away for his his new regime, there's going to be a lot of change. And there's a lot of um, symbolism in just the the fact that your first day, Trump did something very similar when when he took office after Obama. But just clearly, it's crazy that within a four-year time span, we're getting such drastic change again. And clearly, the Trump administration had a lot of things that went wrong and and some people will figure went right and you know i think biden at least with these actions that he took early on clearly wants to make some sort of change and he thinks he could do better so i don't know hopefully he can
1: yeah i think what we're going to see from this president in this this new um this new team of him and kamala is going to be you know, preaching science. Uh, I don't know if you saw Fauci, he was wearing a, a mm-hmm. lab um, style uh, mouth covering in terms of his face mask. And so clearly the beakers and all the measurement tools. And uh, he had a huge smile on his face too, after, uh, you know, Biden was um, inaugurated, because I think it's going to be a, a rich ret- a return to civility, rationality, science, doing what you know the the top scientists in the country suggest, and also trying to preach preach more unity and bring people back together and bring bring this country down from what seems like what was going to be just an absolute civil war, and trying to yeah. calm people's tempers. And I think the greatest healing factor will be time. Um, it's including from COVID, including from uh, Trump's presidency. So yeah. hopefully. Um, Biden will be able to maintain the calm.
0: Yeah, and Biden's initial speech um, in his his first speech as president, he mentioned that it's time to just put an end to this uncivil war that we've been under, you know, just really a lot of animosity between the two sides of the quote-unquote liberal versus the quote-unquote conservatives. And hopefully if anything, we could just, you know, get bored of this whole argument and at least come together as a country for once. I mean, at least for once in a while, I mean, it's been so long since our country felt unified. So hopefully we could get a little
1: bit more of that going forward. Well, one thing that Trump is considering doing that I'm actually a little bit excited about is starting his own political party. Uh, so he was talking about creating the, the Patriot <laughs> Party, which would be separate from the GOP. So you'd mm-hmm. have the Democrats, the Republicans, and then you'd have the Patriot Party. So essentially, you'd have the more extreme uh, grouping of Trump so supporters essentially the, from the people Republican that party that marched on Kulway. the Capitol,
0: they rioted at the Capitol. Essentially, yes, those and people and are, want to form their own political party.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then I think no what thanks. would happen is we would see a more moderate conservative group, and which would probably attract some conservative Democrats. Conservatives and out of
0: Republicans it. want that to happen so that they can get rid of these people that are bringing them down the rest of their party.
1: I honestly, I think it would be good for America and good for democracy to have three different options rather than creating a, a, a duopoly where both sides just become more stringent and more extreme um, with a three party system essentially people would have more optionality more choices and you know it wouldn't be just a, a this side versus this side creating just a madness within the u.s and so yeah. i honestly i don't think it would be a bad thing if trump created a patriot party i don't think it would go anywhere um that would be the biggest concern is if yeah if there's no way anything like that would work again. no
0: that wouldn't work but yeah I, i'm assuming republicans wouldn't mind that happening like i said because they'd be able to get kind of the stench the stench of trumpism off of their the face of their party but Mm. uh yeah uh, for me i'm just looking forward to improvement on foreign policy improvement on global warming policies improvement on just like a lot of things like police reform and just a lot of the the humanitarian aspects of what biden promises as a president more so than trump was I, that's what I'm most excited for. Hopefully, we can get a lot of good change in those aspects.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's a very fair point. A, a lot to look forward to over the over the horizon for for the United States coming up. You know, and, and hopefully the rest of the world as well. As as we champion democracy and fight for it in other countries, I'm I'm glad to see it, it barely prevailed in our own. Yeah.
0: Before we kick off uh, the rest of the podcast and we start diving into some football, I wanted to quickly touch on one more topic, NBA basketball. Um, we haven't been talking a lot of NBA. We, we sprinkled in a little bit on the last podcast, and I think we had some good – that out of the, everything we talked about on last week's, week's podcast, I think that we are most accurate, surprisingly enough, with our NBA analysis. So before uh, we dive into the, the, the conference finals and um, the conference championship weekend for football – we have uh, basketball going on, and since the last time we spoke, for me, really the theme going on in the NBA that we didn't talk about last week was this COVID situation in the NBA. The COVID outbreaks are starting to really become um, the main storyline of this year's season for the for the NBA league, and reminiscent. it's reminiscent, honestly, of the Major, major League Baseball season last year, MLB season, where they had... The heavy breakouts in locker rooms like the Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals. And, uh, I think the Royals had some, there were other teams and there were a a number of teams that had outbreaks that had to miss a lot of games early on. And, towards the end of the year, Major League Baseball, really after August, mid-August or so, they did not have many outbreaks and many, many positive cases. I mean, most notably, honestly, Justin Turner in the World Series when he had to come out mid-game to, you know, when the Dodgers won it. And for me, it, it reminds me that, you know, in baseball... The Cardinals and the Marlins are two teams that I think of that, you know, they had early setbacks with the COVID situation and they finished strong, like, especially the Marlins. Like, the Marlins were one of the better teams in baseball down the stretch last season. And the Cardinals played well in the postseason when they, they lost the, uh, the wild card game to the San Diego Padres. But for me, I'm linking teams like the Grizzlies... In the nba the grizzlies the wizards and the 76ers to these this kind of storyline because i think especially the 76ers they may become a dark horse for the nba finals or at least they eat to come out of the east because this is the kind of setback that's gonna it's gonna have some sustained consequences and there's like seth curry was playing out of his mind before he tested positive and then they had all a, a lot of Players, you know, miss about a week's worth of games because of the contact tracing situation. And the 76ers might be a team that comes on strong late in the season and becomes, you know, a little bit of a dark horse um, for the Eastern Conference. And I think that this this kind of will help them overcome more. but. The Grizzlies are another team that, and the Wizards, right? Two teams on that playoff bubble that if you could look at their odds of whether or not they make the playoffs, they might not get much lower than they will be in about a week or two. So keep an eye on those. I think honestly, those three teams, the Grizzlies, Wizards, and 76ers can all re- make their respective playoff pictures in their leagues. I just want to touch on that because I think that this, this COVID situation is very discouraging, but you look at, how Major League Baseball overcame the situation when they had, you know, they were back, their their backs were uh, backed against the wall and they were backed into a corner and Major League Baseball was able to, you know, settle down, you know, enforce stricter policies on the COVID and, and uh, coronavirus rules and regulations that they had to enforce throughout the season and, and ended up working down the stretch. And right now, there's been 18 total postponements in the NBA, hopefully... You know there aren't there aren't too many more. But what are, what are your thoughts on how this has affected the league as a t- as a whole? What's this COVID pandemic league? I mean, a uh, year looked like for you in the NBA.
1: Honestly, I'm a bit surprised by how. Um non-effective the nba has in having their season go on without any hitches because we saw a pretty successful nfl season this year and i feel like the nba could have learned a lot from what the nfl did well in terms of the game day testing testing every day at the facility you know we had issues in the nba where, where guys are on the court and we know they're active and they're not able to stop these games like how, how is this still happening where we don't have the the rapid testing the same days as guys coming onto the court it doesn't make sense and and this whole testing process
0: never makes sense in sports honestly because i do hear that they get tested like twice a day but the the rate at which the results come in is the question and i don't know it doesn't seem like everybody uses the same tests like I've, i've heard so many different stories about what different tests do and how fast they turn around and how effective they are sometimes like there's just so many different variables
1: Right. And and what, one thing to take into consideration is, you know, this isn't like the bubble where they were able to isolate everybody and to have them get tested in the same area by the same people. So each different stadium in each different city has different people doing their testing for them and, and they have the different te- types of tests, whether it's the PCR, the rapid test available. And so th- this is something the NBA is currently working working to try and figure out is how do they get more active and more responsive testing in each city and to have consistency going into each game so that they don't have these outbreaks within teams and they don't look foolish i think this is definitely a a huge stain on what we perceive adam silver as the best commissioner of of all the major sports right now it's crazy this This is is silver's biggest yeah this is his biggest blunder yet so far throughout
0: his his tenure as the commissioner has he's had a pretty smooth smooth ride thus far throughout his tenure i mean really the only confrontation or the only difficult situation he had to handle so far was besides this pandemic situation was the don sterling scandals with the clippers when he first came in as commissioner and really this is it besides that they they managed the bubble really well last year and i know the players didn't love that didn't love participating in that and didn't want to renew that situation with the bubble again this year. But uh, this, the the way that COVID and coronavirus has spread through the league this season is the biggest blemish of Silver's tenure so far. And so we'll see if he's able to, because really Bill Simmons made a good point on his podcast last, last time I heard him talk about this was Silver needs to be a little bit more like David Stern was and you know, he needs to be kind of an asshole. You know, it needs to, you know, lay down the law. You know, if these guys aren't going to listen to the rules and regulations, there should be severe penalties that at, least, that at least, you know, set the the benchmark and set the precedent for that. You know, this isn't going to be okay. That they, The league's got to get this under control because they need to reach a certain amount of games in order to make the money that they were promised. Everybody was promised this year. And the players, coaches, uh, organizations, owners, the league, like everybody's – money and, and checkbook is is relying on them reaching 70 games a team about and that's important to everybody so they need to buckle down you, you know it's not going to be fun that you they these young players got a social distance and can't hug each other after the games and stuff like that but any sort of which i mean obviously makes zero sense people question all the time how they can't you know high five and hug after the game when they just sweat it on each other for 40 minutes but uh, for forty eight minutes, but yeah, the any sort of infinitesimal reduction of the risk, it's worth it. You know, they gotta they gotta get this under control.
1: Yeah, totally agree. All right,
0: Connor. Uh, some some NFL news before we hop into the championship games. Last notes: The Detroit Lions hired Dan Campbell as their head coach going forward. The Lions got their guy. It looks like Dan Campbell, twenty two years of NFL experience. 11 as a coach he was the assistant head coach and tight ends coach for the new orleans saints since 2016 coming from new orleans um so dan campbell is heading to detroit from new orleans he was the interim head coach for the dolphins in 2015 when he took over a one and three team the dolphins were and he guided them to a five and seven finish he was a uh, now, basically, with the, you'd cross off the Lions as an available coaching spot. And out of the remaining candidates at head coach, you got two spots and two very undesirable spots, I would say, in Houston and Philadelphia. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up, Connor, is. We look at guys like Eric Bieniemy for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator for Kansas City Chiefs who's been, name has been thrown around in almost every job opening you got here. And maybe even Todd Bowles is a guy that should be getting a little bit more consideration. I know his, he still has a little bit of the stench of his tenure in the Jets with the Jets on him still, but he's had a really good season as a defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers. This topic has been brought up in previous years, but is it not fair for these coaches that are on teams that make deep playoff runs now like they, they get overlooked and passed by for some of the available coaching positions early on in the coaching search because these teams don't want to wait for these guys to become available or be op- their schedules to open up
1: i mean yeah it does it hurt the coaches for sure but does it hurt the teams that are also hiring the coaches that aren't in the playoffs yeah as well you know because you think all right, if I'm going to hire a coach, I want to hire a coach from one of the more successful teams that are still in the playoffs because that means that coach is probably doing a pretty good job. So yeah. whoever is making that early hiring decision and in not interviewing coaches or not giving them their fair due, they're essentially hurting themselves in the end. And I mean, I don't know if you saw the Dan Campbell press conference, but I mean, that guy seemed kind of freaking insane. <laughs> yeah, talking about, you can t- knock t- us over, we'll get back up and eat your, your kneecaps yeah, off. Yeah, second like kneecap. And and we'll, <laughs> we'll bite the other. <laughs> Kneecap and take a chunk out of you again. <laughs> what the hell is this guy talking about? Yeah. You don't think Eric the enemy could do a, a better job than this insane storyteller right now? Like, i mean, and, yeah, and you, you almost have to wonder too, does, does race play a factor in this again? You know, we have you, the two guys you mentioned who are passed over are both black coaches, and the guy who was hired was a white coach. And it sucks that, so th- when, that when you take it the race, yeah, exactly. race, it does, it doesn't really seem to totally make sense
0: here, yeah. And that, the, the, the conversation of race and how that factors into the diversity for coaching staffs across the NFL is, is honestly a good transition to the last point I want to make about the coaching carousel. We're seeing Raheem Morris, the interim head coach for the Atlanta Falcons last season, found a home for the Los Angeles Rams. Perfect fit, in my opinion, going to the Rams as their defensive coordinator for next year. Honestly, Morris felt like the, the best available defensive-minded coach on the market. And he did a great job for the Falcons when he took over his interim um, this last season. And I think that that was a, that was a great signing for the Rams. Um, on, the, on the Getting back to the point with Biennemi, I mean, Biennemi feels like a good fit for Houston possibly. I know Deshaun Watson really was trying to campaign for him to go there. And really the Houston situation has just become such a mess. They can't trade Deshaun Watson. You can't... If, if Deshaun Watson's available, anybody without a bona fide number one tier starting quarterback should be offering whatever whatever houston wants i would if i if i'm miami with tua how that was a rumor like i would say yeah take tua take whatever you want give me deshaun watson like give me out you want you want six picks okay like deshaun watson is the kind of quarterback that leads you to an nfl an nfl super bowl and i i would i would give whatever you want basically I mean, obviously, you're not going. There's there's some limitations, but I mean, at some point, you find a limit. But there's not. It's way up there. I mean, Deshaun Watson's one of the t- most valuable five guys in the NFL, probably. And so those guys don't become available via trade. So if there's any any chance that the guy's leaving, uh, if I'm another team, another football organization, I'm tra- I'm making a call because that that would be very interesting to me. I mean, imagine if Deshaun Watson went to New England as. New Patriots quarterback, how the NFL would just hate New England again. They would get back to excellence, and uh, they would be they would be the evil empire of the NFL if they did that.
1: Yeah, I started looking at certain teams where uh, i'm thinking about next year's super bowl odds and the patriots are certainly right for one of those long shot calls if you consider the the team they have uh the defensive players that they could possibly be getting back from COVID, and then also the quarterback position is a complete wild card and in you would assume it would be a nice landing spot for possible free agent in a guy like Deshaun Watson, but Miami would be so much fun to have him down there too, in terms of that defense, and and to see what they could do with a quarterback who's consistent, you know, switching flip-flopping between Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick all year, didn't make much for offensive consistency, but they have a lot of young talent on that team, and you're absolutely right. Deshaun Watson is an all-world quarterback. He was essentially an MVP candidate on a really bad Houston he team, only, so he was the only he was the only
0: player he was the only quarterback this season, this last season that did not have one single week, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, where they were ranked below average. It was the only quarterback where every week this last year he was above average. The only one. I mean, Allen Watson. I mean, um, Allen Mahomes. Rodgers, the MVP, they all had at least one week where they ranked below average, except for Watson. So, I thought that was really impressive. Yeah. The the situation with uh, the, this coaching carousel has been, been really fascinating. I th- honestly, I feel like the best coach on the market is Josh McDaniels going back to New England. I mean, Josh McDaniels, if he is available, would be a perfect fit for Philadelphia, in my opinion. I think that he's the, there's not a better football mind out there as a head coaching candidate, in my opinion. He still has obviously the st- the stench and the negative narrative surrounding his situation when he was going to the uh, the Indianapolis Colts and then backed out of that that job. But I don't know if you if you have an opportunity if you're Philadelphia and you have an opportunity to bring in Josh McDaniels as your head coach, you do it because that quarterback situation that they have is not one that a, co- a coach with light abilities would be able to handle. So. All right, uh, the NFC is going to go first this week, this year. Uh, last, it alternates every year. The Green Bay Packers are the favorites heading to this one against Ten Bay Buccaneers. Green Bay is the favorites, laying three and a half points. The Buccaneers last week they beat the Saints thirty to twenty. The Bucs are rated right now third in weighted DVOA. The Packers they beat the Rams last week thirty-two to eighteen. Packers are fourth in weighted DVOA on Football Outsiders. This is a just the epitome of an amazing. Possibly historic uh, football NFC championship matchup. I mean, Brady and Rogers. Just the scope of these two guys. These are the kind of players that you you t- you tell your ancestors and your grandkids that you you watch these guys play. Like when people talk, the our our grandparents and our elders talk about how they watch Joe Montana and and John Elway and Johnny Unitas. Like these are the kind of players that we're talking about here. Guys that are they're going to be you know mentioned in family. Tales, you know, for years to come and Brady and Rodgers is what we've been aching for for the last decade. I mean, these are two guys that Rodgers the epitome of the ultimate, if you're if you put together a quarterback with every skill in the world that you could possibly imagine, Rodgers has that skill set of a guy who you know, he has everything you, that you look for. What he has, he, he could do with his feet when he needs to, He can of an arm, super accurate. It, the mind is he has, he has a photographic memory. The guy is incredible, and and then you look at Tom Brady, and this is his fourteenth, fourteenth conference championship game. Yeah. Isn't he third or fourth in the NFL in conference? If you if you put Tom Brady as his own team, I think he's like fourth or something like that in conference conference championship appearances now, and the guy is just reaching a, a standard of excellence that will never be matched. We're never going to see this ever again. He's nine and four. Brady is nine and four in conference in conference play um, in this round, and it's just—I mean—he's he's played in ten of the last eleven conference championship weekends. Nine nine of those, obviously, with the Patriots, and just the consistency throughout this man's career. He's forty-three years old. He's playing in his forty-third playoff game. In this game, it's incredible. It's incredible.
1: What are you looking forward to most here? I love the matchup. It's just completely historical between Rogers and Brady. And, you know, we already had the, the game earlier this season where the Bucks kind of stomped the Packers. And it's not what you would really expect when you see the tale of these two teams' season and the way Rogers was playing all year as an MVP candidate. And so we have the, the revenge game narrative as well for Rogers. But Brady... In one of his possibly, you know, last couple of seasons here, we've been saying that for the past ten years about Brady, but you know, this could be the the only time we see these two guys play in the playoffs again. So, yeah, uh, to go from Breeze and then on to Rodgers, and then possibly beating either Josh Allen or Mahomes in the championship, that I would mean, be the, if Brady were to amazing. do that, he would cement himself as the best quarterback of all he time. He already has. He already in, has. In in a way where it might actually be unreachable to ever top him.
0: Yeah. And he already probably has reached that point, but you're talking about just like it's like how Kobe used to make that analogy analogy where he, he when he was trying to consider his retirement, he was like he compared it to uh, Kobe Brown compared it to like shooting half court shots and be and, and he would shoot because like you know you gotta you gotta end on a miss, yeah, a make you, you can't you can't end on a miss so he kept shooting until he makes it and then he goes well let me see if I can make one more and then he makes that one and then he's like let me see if I can make one more and then he makes that one and he's just like. When's it gonna stop? You know, when is this guy's standard of excellence and just completely tops every record that he continues to set for himself in this NFL pantheon and the history of where he fits in? It's incredible. He's far surpassed his his counterparts and his his comparisons as the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, you talk. I think he's Joe Montana. I think he's doubled now conference conference championship appearances. He's now doubled the amount of appearances that Joe Montana had. I think Montana had seven. And this is incredible what we're, what we're witnessing. And so hope everybody watching on Saturday just truly appreciates that. Um, but you touched on the matchup that these two teams had earlier this season. Week six, Tampa Bay beat Green Bay in uh, just a whopping win, 38-10. to And, you know, the Packers were up 10-0 in that game. And then Tampa Bay scored 38 unanswered points. Um, the Packers had two turnovers, ro- two Rodgers interception uh, interceptions. One was a uh, pick six for Rodgers. Very uncharacteristic. He doesn't do that very often. His Rodgers is really his only bad game of the year. His only bad game. Every other game, it w- it was, I believe nineteen. It was yeah. So by far the Packers offense's worst game of the year. They had negative twenty one point seven three expected points added. That's twenty three. 0.55 worse than their second worst game. Uh, that was their second worst game as an offense was Jacksonville Week Ten. So it was just the question that you have to ask yourself was was that game an outlier or what can we take away from that first matchup? Because really Tampa Bay knew what to exploit. They pressured Aaron Rodgers, and that's the key. I mean Rodgers gets pressured at a concerning just 14% of his dropbacks, That's that ranked 34th on the season, 34th most pressured. You would think that the key to – every, I mean, every defense would think that, you know, when you're facing a quarterback as good as Rodgers is, like a Mahomes or a Rodgers or a Brady, these guys that are elite, you have to pressure them. You have to make them uncomfortable. You can't let them, you know, just work their magic and completely walk all over you, and that's what Rodgers has done to – basically every opponent he's faced this season. So the question is, what? so Rodgers has been pressured on 14% of his dropbacks, but the Buccaneers' defense ranks third in pressure rate on the season at 27.2%. So where, where are they going to meet in the middle there? Where... Uh, where is the pressure it going to be for the Buccaneers defense this week? Because last week, similarly, Breeze gets pressure on just 14.8% of his dropbacks this year for the Saints. And the Bucs defense pressured Breeze last week on 20.6% of his dropbacks. So there was some compromise from the Bucks D, um, a little bit lower than their 272 pressure rate on the season but the bucks defense clearly making making an effort to make breeze uncomfortable last week and it showed i mean breeze basically handed that game over to the buccaneers and the defense for the Bucks is going to be the biggest X factor here because the Packers offense has been elite and historic this year. So we'll have to see, you know, how these matchups play out. It, it's going to be a, a big key to how the Packers are able to play as the game goes forward. Cause the Packers are an elite first half team. They, I think have the most points scored in the first half or at least the highest point differential from first half to second. And the If the Packers get out to a big lead, the weather might come into a factor late in the game. You know, if it gets cold, maybe Aaron Jones has a good game. There's a lot of just avenues and questions you got to ask yourself with how this game you think is going to play out because there are a lot of variables in this one. I mean, Tampa Bay in their own right is a very high variance team. So, what do how do you think this one's going to go, Connor?
1: I threw a Um, lot out. I threw a lot at you there, but. I'm feeling a, a repeat of the earlier matchup to to a lesser degree, where I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to create a lot of issues in in terms of their uh, their blitz. Uh, I think they're going to create a lot of natural pressure with and Sue and JPP and the, the linebackers on this team with Levante David and uh, is it Devin White? Um, yeah, I mean those guys Kevin are incredible. Uh, you know, t- he was a, a top five pick in. Um, in the draft and that, how often do you see a linebacker taking a position i mean this team loves these guys and they're going to be flying all over the place in the first matchup they held aaron jones who was a thousand yard rusher on the season i think over 1100 they held him to 15 yards on 10 carries i mean this defense is absolutely nasty when it comes to the running game they were the best defense uh during the regular season against the run in terms of yards given up and they get Vita Vea back this week too, who's an absolute run stopper up the middle, just an absolute gigantic man. And I don't think the Packers are going to be able to run the ball. And if you are able to create some pressure in a game where they're not able to run the ball, and Rodgers has to get the ball out of his hand quickly, it'll create issues where they're not able to get routes that open up in time, and it could create a lot of havoc for this yeah. team. Um, I it think feels also like so. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are going to be able to run on this. Packers defense too, yeah. and the 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 amount of talent that the um, the Buccaneers have on offense across all three wide receiver positions makes it very difficult for Jair Alexander to shut down them all because yeah. essentially this team has three number one wide receivers. So if you just look at at the talent on the two teams. Um, it really should be the Bucks, but Rodgers is just playing better than any other quarterback exactly. right now. Exactly, I thought the same. And say. so he he to me becomes the X factor because he himself could easily carry the Packers yeah. past the Bucks, especially because we know how um, variable the Bucks have been on the season, and they do make a lot of mistakes.
0: Yeah, I mean, buried in our long-winded explanations here, we both had. A lot of reasonings and a lot of ways in which we feel that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could win this football game which is crazy because obviously the Packers are the favorites and I've heard about 80% of the money on this game is on Green Bay and the Green Bay money line. Green Bay and the points and the money line and it's a it's it's a significant difference. Eighty percent of, of the bets placed so far on this matchup are about eighty percent are have been on Green Bay. So my thought is here. I mean, we're talking about a lot of avenues in which that the Buccaneers can be successful in this one. But there's also the big trump card with, with Rodgers. I mean, really, you the only argument with Green Bay is, yeah, but they have Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, and Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones. Like these weapons that the Green Bay Packers have are elite in the NFL right now. I mean, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are two guys that, I mean, possibly the greatest duo since Brady and Randy Moss, honestly. And, whether or not the Packers offense is able to score enough points is the key is going to be the key here because if if you like the Packers minus three and a half I honestly think you take that and parlay it with the over on 51 and a half because I think that Green Bay is going to have to score a, a lot of points in order to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this ballgame I think that if Tampa Bay wins this game could be correlated with the under honestly it feels like because if Tampa Bay wins. They're going to try to, you know, stifle Green Bay's offense at least to an extent. They're going to try to run the ball with the combination of Fournette and and Ronald Jones, who I, Ronald Jones had a great game against Green Bay earlier this year. Twenty three carries, one hundred thirteen yards, and two touchdowns against Green Bay in their first matchup. And I mean it's this game is so evenly close because you look at how lopsided that first game felt, but really you take away the edge that the Bucks had on on turnovers. They had the two turnovers, one being the pick six, the Bucks got an added 13.22 points in expected expected points added but on just on turnovers in the last game. So if you look at this and you say ceteris paribus, all else equal, with the turnover differential, say say that it's zero zero in turnovers for, for these two teams, then the Bucks only edged out the Packers on one, by 1.56 points in expected points in that last game. So it was extremely close on anything that was besides the, that, you know, those two turnovers, one being the pick six. And these two teams, I think are, are going to have a, a really just a battle. And I think it's going to be a battle of the trenches and the question marks with green Bay's offensive line. They were ranked second um, in in the, in the league this year, their offensive line, but no Bakhtiari. Um, Corey Lindsay has been really anchoring their, their center. He's the highest graded center in PFF. Um, According to Pro Football Focus, he's like highest grade center. Elgin Jenkins has been very versatile for them, playing a lot of left tackle after Bakhtiari went out. And I think it's gonna, it's just gonna be a big question mark on whether or not the offensive line for the Packers is able to protect Rogers well enough. And with with especially with no Bakhtiari, I know they've been playing well enough without him. I, I just don't know that they're going to be enough for Devin White and that Tampa Bay team that really loves to blitz and, and has a high pressure rate. I think I, I lean Tampa Bay plus three and a half, but
1: yeah, I lean, I lean the same way as well. And I think that the, the betting public is widely not considering the strength of the schedule. The Packers had on the season. They had the worst strength of schedule of any team in the NFL in it becomes wildly apparent if you just google the Packers schedule and you take a look at the teams they played i mean going back to november is they they beat the jags by four they lost to the colts by three and that was the bears eagles lions panthers i mean these are really just the, the bottom of the barrel teams that they were beating up on now you do i blame them for winning against bad teams no you you can only play and beat who you play but Against the, the better teams in the league, they, they they lost to the Vikings. They lost to the Colts. And last week, the, the game against the Rams was, was pretty close against a nine-figured yeah. quarterback, and Cam Akers looked pretty good. So... I think that Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette could exploit the running game here. Uh, Ronald Jones should have had a bigger week last week uh, if it wasn't for a couple that of holding calls. calls yeah, yep, absolutely. But that that also is a risk factor when you talk about Tampa Bay because they were mo- one of the more heavily penalized teams on the year. So yeah, well said. You could say if you took away the penalties, but that's something they do consistently, yeah. so it's hard to take that away and eliminate. It feels like Tampa Bay on a talent basis should win the game, but it is it is just a historic season for Rodgers but in a game i think is more of a coin toss i'm just going to take the points
0: yeah i uh oh man this game is we're talk we have a lot of you know this should happen but or if this like if that like <laughs> this game is so close these are all four teams. exactly this game that's why honestly that's why i've been struggling in a decent amount of my playoff bets because i'm picking the winners generally i'm and you look at the 10 games that have happened so far i've picked Basically, the winner in nine of the ten games that have happened in this playoffs, but the 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 gambling implications of you know how these teams compete against one another has been very unpredictable mm-hmm. in, in terms of whether or not you anticipate a game being close or not on this postseason. It's just been really difficult to pinpoint. Which teams are going to show up when? Because I mean, a lot of people were high on the Baltimore Ravens last week. A lot of people were high on the Seattle Seahawks against the Rams in, we, in the Wild Card weekend. Cleveland had a big upset against Pittsburgh, and then Cleveland covered last week against Kansas, against Kansas City. It was just like a lot of things that NFL betters and and the casual betters um, in the NFL and football gamblers just are, aren't aren't seeing, are are having a hard time anticipating, and really. It just goes to show that this this playoffs has been pretty exciting so far. Last
1: week was certainly a weird week too in terms of the game perspective because we we had two quarterbacks, you know, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes knocked out midway through the games. And then – also, that, that, that Buffalo and um, Baltimore game. We we had mentioned on the podcast, you know, the game's up in Buffalo. Check the weather forecast before you bet the over because there's a chance for wind. And anytime wind in Buffalo, super, there's a chance for rain, yeah. too. And every single ball that you would see on replay would tail off four or five feet to the right. And yeah. there were lots of... Long balls to Marquise Brown that were missed to Stefan Diggs and John Brown that were also missed. You know, Allen and Jackson were both clearly off and wind was a huge factor. So that game certainly did not have the fireworks we were hoping for or yeah. looking forward to seeing. I think this weekend, though, I, we're hopefully returning back to more of the uh, offensive fireworks that we can uh, look forward to.
0: Yeah, I think the wind in that Baltimore-Buffalo game was very unexpected. It seemed like most of the weather ports you had leading up to that one didn't anticipate the wind to having such a factor. Um, but the, the weather in Green Bay on, on Saturday for this game, if you're looking at that, I mean, a lot of people have brought up the the weather being a, a negative thing for Tampa Bay coming from, obviously, Florida, about a warm-weather team. It's not going to be a big deal for Brady, obviously, and Gronkowski, but a lot of this team hasn't played big games in cold weather. I I wonder if Green Bay's week 16 game where they dominated Tennessee in the snow. I wonder if that's going to play a factor and be as an advantage against Tampa Bay in this one because not they're not that far removed from a playing a game in the snow. If this game gets sloppy like that, I wonder if if, you know, Green Bay leans more on what's what succeeded for them. Last time out, just week six, sixteen. That's just what three weeks ago now, four weeks ago. So that's not that far away from you know they've dominated Tennessee in that game. I don't know if you remember it, but yeah, that one was not close. They I think they they, were, they took an early lead elite, uh, early lead in that game and never looked back. So um, for heading in just into my the round out this game now uh I'll list off some of my bets for this one I'm looking at. Like I said, 80% of the money on this game is on the Packers and their money line, so keep that in mind. If you pick Tampa Bay, you're picking against a, a good amount of sharp bettors. So just the smart money apparently is is on Green Bay in this game. But but you know, that does just shouldn't discourage you too much from t- picking Tampa Bay because obviously we we've listed out all the factors that we think Tampa Bay sh- should be getting more credit and and, and more thought as a uh, serious serious Potential for an upset here, I mean, which is why I have my hunch, my value bet for this game, Tampa Bay money line 160. I think that there's some value in that. I mean, Tampa Bay is a team that shows up in a lot of the advanced statistic categories as one of the best teams in the NFL this year. Not to say Green Bay's not there too, but Green Bay isn't there on defense in most of them and their offense isn't head and shoulders better than Tampa Bay's when Tampa Bay's offense has played as well as they can as well as they they have been in some of the weeks lately. So, we'll see what happens there. My smartest bet though here is honestly just tease the bucks to plus nine and a half and tease it with the over. Tease um, the over down to I think 45 and a half or so should be right around where you tease that down to. And I, I think that should be a good bet there. Um, and that, that was honestly the smartest one I could think of. I also have, I I think Green Bay in the first half. is the, If you like Green Bay, I think that's where you get the money. Green Bay minus two and a half in the first half. Like I said, one of the best first half teams, maybe Tom Brady. He's kind of infamous for his slow starts on these big conference championship games, really known for coming on strong in the second half. I wonder if that plays again in this one. Props I like. I like Robert Tunyon to score the first touchdown in this one. That's plus 1100. Some good value there. I think, I think Tunyon, he's the only guy. Do you know Tunyon is the only pass catcher the only pass catcher to have over 40 targets or o- over 40 catches this year without a drop he didn't have a drop this season he hasn't dropped the- he hasn't dropped the ball since 2018 so i i like Tanya in this game plus plus 1100 and i also i like him for anytime touchdown odds as well plus 150 i think Tanya has a score in this game um bucks give up nine touchdowns to opposing po- opposing tight ends this season And like I said, Tonya hasn't dropped a pass this year.
1: And he Uh, also caught 11 touchdowns on the regular season. So 11 out of 16, if you think of that that as your odds, you're in pretty good shape.
0: Definitely. I also like overs on Leonard Fournette's rushing and receiving yards, 69.5. I like over Ronald Jones' rushing yards, uh, 35.5. I think both those two guys have good games. Chris Godwin receiving yards over 63 and a half. I like Devontae Adams for over receptions at six and a half, as well as Alan Lazard, more than three and a half receptions. And I like Alan Lazard on his over on yardage. I think Alan Lazard is a good value play for DFS. His uh, over under yardage total is 45 and a half.
1: Yeah. That, the Ronald Jones line seems way too low. Uh- he had 62 yards rushing last week, 78 two weeks before that. He was inactive the game in between. And he was you no know, Keyshawn Vaughn last week. I don't know he if he played in this one. He was over 1,000 yards rushing on the season. I mean, this is a 1,000 yeah. yard rusher. And, he, and he's the line's 35 and a half. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, and Leonard Fournette, I
0: think, like I said, I think both these guys are good, good plays this week. Leonard Fournette starting starting to get some steam. He was looking like a guy that might not have a job next year, and then these playoff rounds, he's really solidified his his you know respect in the league. He he's a solid running back. He's got he's got a little bit of playoff nickname now. Playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny. Yeah, <laughs> nice touchdown catch last week too. He did. So keep an eye on that. I mean, the over. That's why I combine the rushing and receiving totals because it's, it seems like any given any any given game Fournette could go off on either rushing or receiving, but it's not usually both. It's not he doesn't usually just completely get all of his yards in one way. He usually has a combination of the both of the two. So I like the sixty nine and a half over on on the combine there.
1: Um, yeah, and he's over 100 yards the past two weeks in, in combined uh, for both. So, it was two weeks ago, 93 yards rushing and 39 yards receiving last week, 63 and 44. So, definitely uh, within reach for him. Yeah.
0: And just for fun, I, I would probably sprinkle a little bit on the uh, – I, w- I would be cool sprinkling the overs on yardages for Rodgers and Brady. I think Rodgers – I think they're both right around 187 or so, 190. I would I would be interested in that too just because it's more fun when you when you're when you're rooting for things that you want to root for i mean i'm rooting for brady and rogers to be the highlight of this game so hopefully it's way that's more
1: gonna... fun to root for overs and to root for points than then to root for an under and incomplete passes come on yeah totally when you're rooting, when you get into
0: that habit where you're just like no don't catch it or like no don't throw to him like dude that, that's so miserable you hate yourself when you do that all right connor any last thoughts for this one before we get into the next game
1: just enjoy it enjoy the show
0: Definitely. All right. This next one is going to be a great show in its own right. the The Buffalo the Buffalo Bills facing off the Kansas against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs the favorites at home in Arrowhead, laying three points. The over under point total is fifty four. The Bills they beat Baltimore last week seventeen to three. The Bills are rated first in weighted DVOA right now on Football Outsiders. Kansas City beat Cleveland last week twenty two to seventeen. They're sixth in weighted DVOA. These two teams faced each other earlier on the in the year just like uh, we talked about Tampa Bay and Green Bay. The earlier matchup, I think honestly, the the earlier matchup between these two teams is much less indicative of what to expect in this. I think we could see like you said similar similar trends to Green Bay and Tampa Bay's original matchup and I don't think we're going to see anything similar to what we saw in Buffalo and when Kansas City went to Buffalo and Clyde edwards ran all over them, and that game just played out really weird and, and not like everybody anticipated. The offensive battle, and the, when these two teams were faced off, we were, we were expecting a big offensive battle and turned into conservative rushing attacks and windy, and windy conditions and poor offense in general, and it was just a weird game. Allaire ran for 26 carries, 161 yards, and I believe a touchdown as well. Mahomes even ran 10 times, you mentioned, and... I think that if we're going to see a game that is not anything like that. I don't. I, I, I just don't see how Hilaire or the Kansas City rushing attack has that type of game or that the Chiefs want to have that type of game against Buffalo in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hilaire's been out since week 15, so he, he's questionable to play still. If he does play, there's no way to give him 26 carries and... Mahomes ten carries you out of your mind. He just came off of a concussion last week on a little cute run play. With the they toe, tried to and he, get him going. He stepped on and, his
0: toe too. He has yeah, a toe he problem. He
1: limping every play too. So he's going to be chilling in the pocket. Um, so definitely not going to be a short short passing running game for for the Chiefs. I, I was watching some of the game tape of the game. That that they played earlier in October just to get a sense for what happened because the the stat lines look so weird. I was like, you know, Josh Allen, 122 passing yards. He he was like the biggest gunslinger with the biggest arm on the season. That makes no sense. Is that like his first quarter stats? No, that's what happened. You're right. It was a little bit of precipitation, a little bit of wind, and it was it was all about the running and short passing game. And I really. Don't think that this is the way we're going to see it go uh, in game two. And Mahomes is going is not going to be mobile. The running game is not there. Le'Veon Bell's also injured. So Darrell Williams could possibly be the lead running back. So they're going to lean on Mahomes. They're going to take their deep shots. Travis Kelsey will have a huge game. He had a really good game the first time around. That is one thing I do see carrying over. And then one... Josh Allen, he's just playing lights out. And so I don't think, you know, the 122 is going to be uh, something that comes up again. I think yeah. Devin Single singletary has a bit of a better game too uh, the you know playing the ravens last week they just saw derrick henry there was only no go for 40 offense. yards and yeah. so they were saying okay we're not going to run the ball we're not going to be able to do that and they clearly couldn't pass with the wind so <laughs> not much happened at all yeah. um but i think singletary gets a bit more involved he he was uh somewhat effective the first time around i think around you know 12 or 13 carries for 40 or 50 yards so uh, I could see him playing better. The Chiefs' weakness is certainly on defense compared to their um, passing defense. Uh, ru- their rushing defense is not nearly as strong, so I think that yeah. could be somewhat, somewhat of the the game uh, game script we see. Maybe a little bit more Allen rushing as well.
0: Yeah. So the thing that I took away from their original matchup, I know I said I don't anticipate this game, this game on Sunday to go anything like that first one. But what I did take away was Buffalo's offense played one of their worst games of the season, and this game was within the, Buffalo was in six, within six points with just six and a half minutes in the fourth quarter left. So they scored a touchdown pass to uh, Cole Beasley, six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, and the defense they played pretty well. Buffalo did, and they they basically told Kansas City, "We're not going to let you beat us deep. You're going to have to beat us with your rushing game." And Clyde Clyde Edwards Alaire, the rookie guy, and they ended up the Chiefs ended up doing that, obviously. But Buffalo had to come from that game. A lot of people thought, "You know, you can't play like that again against the Chiefs. You can't do that." But you know they did a really good job at keeping the Chiefs. Offense at bay for, for the most part. I don't know that we're going to see the Chiefs offense have a similar game plan at all, but I think there's a lot to be taken away with how the Buffalo defense approached that game. Um, and there's Kansas City doesn't need, there's the, it's what's interesting with Kansas City is the time of possession battle isn't necessarily relying on the results because Kansas City doesn't need a lot of time to score. So Kansas City actually isn't one of the league leaders in time of possession, but you know, Buffalo's defense kind of wants to stay out there against Kansas City, just because you want you want the score to. If you're Buffalo, you want the game to stay under 54 points, the over under point total, because Buffalo just, they're going to have to score 30 points to beat the Chiefs, basically uh, close to 30 or so. And if you're Kansas, if the, your Buffalo's defense, you want to hold Kansas City to about 27 points or less, and you got to score about 30, and the When Kansas City scores their most amount of point totals, they're usually on the field on offense for about 27, 28, 29 minutes. They're on on offense for less than half the game. And so when you look at what Buffalo needs to do in this game, there's a lot to be taken away from that first matchup and what they succeeded on defense, even though the offense wasn't quite right. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I think we have the the right game line here and and you're absolutely right that Josh Allen's going to need to score a lot of points. If we're talking about the fact that they had a bad offensive outcome the first time around, they only put it in, they put up 26, you know, to be able to outscore them in in a game where I think, you know, last week watching Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey kind of go bonkers before Mahomes went out with injury. I, I think he he wants to really cement himself and and say no, this is still my league. Yeah. I'm the reigning Super Bowl champ. I'm the reigning MVP. And you know, well, I, I am down the on best the other quarterback side too. If with I Alan. didn't, if I didn't sit out the last game, my stats would be the best in the league over Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers. And uh, you know. I I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs still. I, they were my number one team all year in my power rankings, and for me, there's still no reason to to take them off of that top spot. Um, most of their lapses on the season, I think, can be uh, explained with reason in terms of you know was it injury, was it matchup, did they take their foot off the gas pedal? Um, I this think is up this is a matchup we game. could
0: see. This is a matchup we could see more than once over the next five years. This is a matchup we could, we could be talking about the Bills and Kansas City um, as one two of the best teams in the NFL for years to come. So that's what's pretty exciting about this. It could be the start of kind of, you know, uh, Warriors, uh, Cavaliers type situation almost. I know that there were in separate conferences facing off from the finals, but that's what these two teams seem to might maybe have for years to come in terms of how quality their young cores are, especially at quarterback. Um, The narratives here, though, I mean, obviously Mahomes trying to solidify, I mean, trying to you know make his stamp as for greatness. The guy continues to just stack excellence on top of excellence on top of excellence throughout his career. He has very few blemishes in his short tenure thus far as the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. But Josh Allen has an opportunity here to solidify his place as an elite quarterback in this league, as a guy who gets mentioned in the in the Mahomes, the Watsons, the Allens. I mean the the uh, the the Brady's, the Rodgers. He, he has an opportunity to solidify his himself as an elite quarterback in this league if he's able to beat Mahomes and in the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead in this conference championship with cold temperatures. I think in the twenties. It's this is a big game for Allen and his career and what his career is going to look like going forward I mean if he loses this one you look at a lot of people talking about is Allen, is Allen the guy that could lead you to a Super Bowl is he the kind of quarterback that wins these big games and that's that's not his fault that's just going to be the case with the way the news, the news media breaks stories nowadays in the NFL but we'll see how that works out another narrative is the Patrick Mahomes injury situation, does this minus three line suggest that odd, the odd makers consider Mahomes to be close to 100%? Or if Mahomes was, if he didn't have any injury questions and we knew he was 100%, would this line be bigger than three points? What do you think about that?
1: Reigning Super Bowl champs at home. I would say the line would have to be bigger than three points, you know, considering that the team's top quarterback and top running back are, are both coming into this game dinged up. You so, know, what percentage do you think we're getting out of Mahomes, if you had to guess? I, I think we'll get 90% of what he can do because he is such a great pocket passer. And so the limited mobility doesn't impact his game too greatly. Um, I think. The downside could be if he's not able to fully plant or extend on that foot with the injured toe. Could force some inaccuracies, that turnovers. That could some inaccuracy. You're absolutely right. And so we we did see a few throws last week where he, he came up a little bit gimpy and, and the balls weren't totally accurate. But if he's playing, he could be thrown off of one foot with the other one completely in the air, and I'd still take Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yeah, I, I just had to pose the question. This line, this three, minus three line is often one that odds makers put up just because they don't really know what else to do with it. Um, these two teams are very evenly matched, and the Chiefs are going to have, I think, like 12,000 fans. So there's, there's, it's not going to be an irrelevant home field advantage for them. They do have the home field advantage over Buffalo, but Buffalo is coming from a cold-weather state, so the cold shouldn't factor too much into an advantage one way or the other for either team. Um, But just one thing also with the scope of this game is just the history of the Buffalo Bills and their postseason track record. I mean, this is the first time they've made a conference championship since their fourth Super Bowl loss in a row in 1993. They won. Did did you you remember this? Because our generation, I mean, I I was born in 94, so I, I obviously didn't witness any of this. But when you look at your NFL history, the Buffalo Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row from 1990 to 1993. They lost, uh, I believe, to the Giants, to the Redskins, and two to the Dallas Cowboys. And they haven't really had any playoff success ever since then. They haven't made it past the wild card round. And so this is their first time playing on on conference, in the conference championship since those occurrences back in 93. So uh, are Allen and the Bills players just young enough to com- basically be, be completely oblivious to what this playoff runs means to the the organization as a whole and, and the city of Buffalo as a whole. Like this is a lot. This is a lot on the line for Buffalo. And these guys that are playing for the Bills feel so young that I mean maybe it's good for them that they don't really realize that this is a big deal to them and, and their team and their city. Because it's been a while since the Buffalo had any any sniff of a Super Bowl and those Those four Super Bowl losses in a row would be crippling, and they were crippling for the Buffalo Bills. They would be crippling any franchise.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't think Josh Allen is uh, ignorant to the history of the Bills and Bills Mafia. I mean, he... He was out there last week, and he was so amped up by the crowd, and, and talking about how he wanted to really just impress this fan base because this is his, you know, his biggest opportunity to do so. And I don't think he's gonna let this moment surpass him, and and just be totally bewildered like he has been in the past and previous seasons. You know, I think he puts together a decent game, um, but yeah, this team does not have a lot of playoff experience, and they don't have a lot of you know senior leadership when it comes to the the main guys on offense so you know does digs you know can he continue to play well um or does he let his emotional state that has impacted him negatively in the past on the vikings in the playoffs specifically when he threw a temper tantrum on the sideline you know, if they start to get down to the Chiefs, which is certainly possible, a couple quick Tyree kill bombs—they're down fourteen, nothing—and do do we see these guys kind of fold in, or do they have the resiliency? Um, mm. That's that's kind of the question that we're going to see about the Bills this year, because they they kind of are untested based on the past decade or so of just having no experience. Yeah. Well
0: over the course of the last decade from a playoff perspective they're untested but i could argue they've been very tested in the last two rounds just in these playoffs i mean you look at last week if you told me that the bills offense was going to score just 17 points and and they I, I i forget the the specific raw data for the for last for last week's game for buffalo but they their offense was not very good last week and if you told me that they were you know not if, the, if Josh Allen, I think, threw for less than, what, 220 yards or so, 240 yards, if they were, they didn't play – if they played that poorly on offense last week, you could have – I would have given given you – you could give me 10 opportunities. I would have said the Ravens won nine of them, and they dominated that game, keeping the Ravens' offense to just three points. I know the two missed field goals were big for them, and I don't know that they get that big of a break against Kansas City, but they're – and then you look at the game against Indianapolis. the 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 – the Colts the game the week before I mean that was a battle it was a grind and they overcame you know they had the fumble loss at the end of the game and that was not called a fumble you know they, they, they let the Colts try to make a comeback in that one and Buffalo you know was able to overcome that hurdle and Buffalo's offense was not rolling against Indianapolis they got behind early and they had to come back and Allen had that I, I still think about that play where Allen turned a QB draw, a QB power into a, a touch pass to Dawson Knox in the corner. That was Those are things that Dawson Knox um, in the corner. Those are the kind of things that separate a good QB from a great QB. And I think that Buffalo is on the verge of making their mark as a team that is just as good or, or, as Kansas City for the rest of the way going forward in the NFL for years to come. I think that these two teams are the... Going to be the benchmark teams that t- that you you're going to want to say when you're trying to put together like the, the Eagles and the Lions. These coaches that go into new to new organizations this next year, you have to look at your team and be like, how do I compose my roster to beat the Chiefs? How do I compose them to beat the Bills? How do I compose them to beat you know the best teams in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Saints? Although the Saints are going to be aren't going to be very good next year, I'm um, assuming. For a lot of different reasons, but you know that you know what I mean? Like that's that that's gonna be something that the Bills are gonna be a team that you have to think about how to beat them. And this is a big game for them in terms of just history for, for all these guys' careers, for Josh Allen's career. I think that we gotta see a good game in this one. We gotta see a good matchup.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, if there were a storyline for them to have a a positive game script, it's certainly this one where the quarterback is injured because we saw last week they really won that game because they were able to create a lot of pressure. They brought a lot of blitz, and that created a lot of issues throwing the ball, and if we're going to talk about a Mahomes who can't really scramble, which is one of his best skill sets, is throwing on the run. You know, it's that that Rodgers-esque throwing off of one put off one foot and just kind of making it up with you with your offensive players as you go because it, he has such a great rapport with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey when you try to cover those guys for five six seconds as he's rolling out of the pocket it's impossible he will not mm. have the ability to extend plays like that so if they are able to get in the backfield and, and bring a high bliss percentage there's certainly room for errors to be had in terms of Kansas City offense and I could see the Bills winning because of that. All right, let's
0: get into some some best bets, some picks for this one. Honestly, my pick. I, I, look, I, I went with the the in my ETA bracket, my All Things Analysis playoff bracket. I pick the Buffalo Bills and Tampa Bay Buccaneers to play in the Super Bowl. I'm gonna pick it. I'm gonna keep it. I got to st- I got to stick to my gun. So I'm going to pick Buffalo plus 3. I think that there's a good chance they at least cover this game. I like I'm I'm liking Buffalo on the points, but I think the smart bet I hedged it a little bit. I wanted to do Kansas City plus 3 as well as over 48. So I teased the the over under point total down to 48. So if Kansas City wins, I, I like the opportunity for the the over 48 point total to cover. Um, I also sprinkle a little bit on Josh Allen to score the first touchdown of the game, plus eleven hundred. So I could see Josh Allen. You, you mentioned you, you we could anticipate maybe some more rushing from Josh Allen in this game. He's looking fresh. If it's cold in the beginning of the game, maybe he wants to loosen up, get some, move his legs, get get moving a little bit. I could see him scoring mm-hmm. a rushing touchdown. And Zach to Moss, the,
1: the, the, the guy who led the team in, in terms of rushing touchdowns from the running back position is going to yeah, be Yeah, so it gets down
0: to the goal the line. Game. He might be he might be the one that gets his number called. I like it. So I, I went with Josh Allen to score the first touchdown, plus 1,100. I got John Brown and Nicole Harmon for any time touchdowns on this one, plus 230 for both those guys. I like those odds for the value on that. Um, I also like the over on receiving yards for John Brown, fifty and a half receiving yards. I think John Brown's gonna have a good game, especially with Cole Beasley still banged up. We don't know how healthy he is. I think he he put up a goose egg last week, or he did it not was have Joe a good... goose egg. I think four for ninety six last week though. Oh really? Okay. It's, I... I... I just keep hearing good things about.
1: Lineup, he didn't do well.
0: (laughs) I keep hearing great things about John Brown, and he's been finishing the season strong. And I I think that he's going to have a good game in this one. I just have a hunch about that one. And
1: then John Brown. So he was four for seventy-two with the touchdown in week seventeen, and then a goose egg against Indianapolis, and then last week eight for sixty-two. So he he sandwiched a horrible game with two good games.
0: Yeah. Um, I also like Tyreek Hill to have his longest reception over 26 and a half yards. That that just felt too low for me. I think Tyreek Hill at any moment is is a candidate for a big play. I like that one as well. I also like Travis Kelsey for over on his receptions at seven and a half. I think Kelsey is going to be heavily involved, especially with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's health being put in question. Le'Veon Bell is banged up. I don't think he's going to be playing in this one. And then Darrell Williams is going to be their main guy. So I like Kelsey and Hill to be heavily involved from a, a reception standpoint in this game.
1: Yeah, we we saw Kelsey have really good success against them earlier on in the season in their first game around, and last week Mark Andrews played really well against the Bills. They're one of the worst teams against the tight end. Uh, they're much better against wide receivers, so I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of balls funnelled towards Kelsey. Yeah,
0: Connor, I, dude, I feel like I'm I'm a new, like a, I feel like I'm not being smart with these these picks. Like I'm picking with my heart more so than my than my the stats are telling me but i'm finding the stats on these games could go either way man you talk about the four teams that are just very evenly matched all four of these teams are very good each of them have their own their own shot at the super bowl um, and go figure on my on my all things analysis bracket i have tampa bay winning it all they're the, they're the 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 team with the highest odds i think they're like plus 450 or something like that to win it all well i think the chiefs are the favorite like plus 115 or so so I don't know, cool. man. Yeah, there's a. I can't. I can't remember honestly a, a final four for the NFL in a while that had four teams that were just so highly talented. And I, I can I, I really, honestly, I don't feel like the Chiefs are as big of a favorite as you might think. I, I, I just feel like this, which makes me believe that I, I have it in my gut that the Chiefs just aren't aren't the team this year to take it all. I, I just think it's going to be somebody else.
1: Yeah, there does seem to be a lot of parity at the top of the league between these four teams. All fantastic and easily all of them. Fantastic quarterbacks, which is a a big thing in the playoffs. I I like to see, you know, do I think that quarterback can win the game uh, when it comes down to putting the ball in his hands with two minutes left? Um, The reason I don't like the Bills as much as these other teams as, you know, the other three quarterbacks have just shown the ability to do it in big games, in the playoffs. You know, these are all three are Super Bowl championship quarterbacks, so I I would have the Bills actually as my least likely to make, you know, to win the Super Bowl just because of that inexperience factor. Um, But yeah, it's so hard. We're splitting hairs at this point uh, when talking about just choosing between these four teams.
0: Yeah, I mean, at some point you gotta get your first. So I think this is gonna be Josh Allen's first Super Bowl. I've, I have it in my gut. You know, I bet on. Uh, I did a, a moneyline parlay just for fun. I put Bills and Tampa Bay to both win their games outright. It was like, I think it was like plus five hundred or so. I, I think that, uh, I, like I said, man, it's just, it's just with this whole playoff. Picture this whole round has this this year has been very unpredictable. So I just have a feeling that we're we're gonna finish the year as we started and as we've as we've been going on. I think that that unpredictability and that just the way that this this year has gone. I think it's
1: been a very fun year, and hopefully we that continues the rest of the way. So um, what does that mean? Devin Singletary is going to go for 200 yards, and Daryl Williams is going to go for 300 and two touchdowns. <laughs> you know, just completely unexpected game scripts.
0: I don't know about that, but <laughs> speaking about individual performances, let's let's
1: dive into some DFS values for the week. So, foreshadowing a little bit, obviously, both of those guys are in my lineup because they're going to do exactly what I just (laughs) mentioned.
0: (laughs) All right. Some daily fantasy selections here for Connor and I. Connor, do you have stats uh, for how you've been doing so far in the year?
1: Uh, I didn't update with last week's numbers, but on the regular season, again, I think we were right around 67, 68% hitting, uh, gotcha. hitting our scores. And uh, I was averaging around 150 points a game. Last week was around, weird around for DFS. It, it, and on these smaller slates, we're going to get dampened score totals possibly just because there are less players to pick from, less teams to pick from. And, you know, when you have those games where the, the top quarterbacks and in, in multiple get injured and you, you have a, a win game it just gets really not going to make it easy conditions for DFS scoring and fantasy scoring.
0: Yeah. Who'd you go with in your quarterback position for your lineup this week?
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll try to make this quick because uh, we're coming up on midnight on the East Coast here. Uh, <laughs> and my wife is like, when are you going to get out of the bedroom? Um, so here at quarterback, I have Josh Allen, the man. Uh, you know, like you said, I, I think he gets a touchdown. Uh, probably the first one, you know, with his legs, uh, just multifaceted quarterback. And, and without Zach Moss there, he's kind of their everything guy. Uh, you know, I don't see a repeat of last week. I, I think he comes out guns blazing and and uh, gets a lot of points. Uh, and he's only sixty nine hundred, so so pretty cheap as well.
0: Yeah, I like. I wanted to go with Josh Allen. I think he's the best value of the week. But I, I wanted to save a little bit on the quarterback position. I was cool with buying down. To, I went down to Tom Brady for sixty one hundred. My thoughts here is: look, the most likely outcome for this game is Green Bay comes gets out to a, an early lead. And if that's the case, I like the opportunity for Tom Brady to continue to throw the ball, especially in the second half. I think Tampa Bay is going to have a deficit and it's going to come down to whether or not Tom Brady can lead Tampa Bay's offense late in the game to make a comeback. And I I think that that's going to bode well for Tom Brady's fantasy stats. He is $800 cheaper than Josh Allen. With that savings, I was able to add some more talent throughout my roster. I want Tom Brady at quarterback this week.
1: Yeah, all four of the quarterbacks, really good options, go wrong with really all good them. players, and uh, I, I'm I'm purely going with Allen because he's missing his running back and he's also not injured, um, so that's why I, I kind of shaded Mahomes a little bit and, and the matchup's pretty good against Kansas City, um, but but both games could easily be high scoring, so definitely. All right, who would you go with your running back? At running back, I'm going with playoff Lenny. Uh, I love the matchup against Green Bay. Uh, the worst run defense of the, the teams left. Uh, and, you know, Aaron Jones is going up against Tampa Bay. He was 10 for 15 uh, the first time they played this year. And uh, that team's going to get Vita Veya back, you know, a really great run stopper. So I don't think it makes sense this week to pay up for the top running back, even though Aaron Jones is clearly the best guy. Uh, I'm going with Leonard Fournette because of the matchup. I like I like Fournette this week. I wasn't able to fit in my
0: lineup. Because um, I paid up for some, some other pricier options we'll get to. But uh, I do like Fournette this week. It, I went with his counterpart to save some money. Went with Ronald Jones for $4,600. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Ronald Jones was considered the lead guy in this backfield, the one that everybody wanted for fantasy purposes. And uh, Ronald Jones looked good last mm-hmm. week. And like you said earlier, he had a run or two that were called back. That I think he had like a 45-yard run that was called back for a holding call. And... I know he looked a little gimpy when he slowed down, but he, he's a, he gets another week of rest. He gets in a little bit more time to, you know, heal up for that quad injury he's nursing. And for just $4,600, I thought that was a good value well, with Ronald Jones in my RB1 spot. I was able to spend up in other spots to, to uh, you know, compensate for the savings that I'm getting from Jones.
1: Yep, so I like that, too. Uh, I was considering Jones because he's really the more explosive of the two running backs when you talk about, you know, the ability to break off a long play. He's done it a few times this season. Uh, I remember a game against, I think, Carolina. He broke off like a 90-yarder, so certainly that's in his wheelhouse. Um, For my running back, too – I'm going with a guy who doesn't really get it done on the ground as much as through the air. I'm picking Devin Singletary again, uh, a game where we think it's going to be high scoring and Kansas city, their weakness is on the ground. So maybe he he gets a little bit more run than last week uh, for 4,500. He's still the only running back there. So because I have Josh Allen and Devin Singletary, if there is is a goal line carry, I'm going to capture it between one or the other. Um, so he gives me a little bit of security blanket and Andy at a cheap price.
0: Yeah, Singletary was on the field for 84% of the offensive snaps last week, but he only got seven rushes for 25 yards, three catches for 12. Uh, I don't think he had any red zone looks either. Really a a confusing stat line, but, you you know, I'm talking about it because I went went with Devin Singletary in my RB2 spot as well. I I just feel like that was a little bit of an outlier. We saw a weird offensive game out of Baltimore. They really only scored 10 points on offense. They had the pick six from uh, Trayvon Jones. And I think that Devin Singletary could be in store for a little bit of a bounce back game, especially with no Zach Moss. With uh, he's continues to be on IR, I think he's going to miss the rest of the year. Singletary has an opportunity to you know eat up some some w- workload for this backfield. If Buffalo gets a lead, they'll rely heavily on Allen and Singletary to keep the, b- the ball uh, the clock moving on running plays and such. And so I think that uh, for just forty five hundred dollars, I think that's a good
1: value at uh, your running back two spot. Yeah, certainly. I think last week was just the game plan where they clearly weren't going to run the ball. But multiple times this year, too, they, they've gone very run heavy with with Singletary and Zach Moss. And Singletary last year was able to clearly carry the load by himself the second half of the season. So I wouldn't be shocked if he, he actually does get double-digit carries in this one. And we know he, he is a, a force in the passing game, too, uh, out of the backfield, Definitely. which is always nice in PPR formats, which uh, DraftKings is. Definitely. I mean, you don't have a running back. You got guys like the
0: cheapest running backs on that are even an option for you this week are $4,000. Are $4, so, Singletary is only $500 more expensive than the cheapest running back. I mean, you remember like A.J. Dillon and like Keyshawn Vaughn who might not even play. Those guys are $4,000. So, you're paying just – you're barely over $500 over the minimum price for a running back this week. I think that Singletary's value there is – I mean, you could make it like I'm only paying $4,500 for a guy and I'm, you'll see my wide receiver position, my tight end position, I'm able to spend up and get the elite guys at these positions that I think that there's more value in. So, without you know further foreshadowing, I went with Devontae Adams in my wide receiver one spot. I mean, the guy is just an animal. I really wanted to figure out a way to get him into my lineup because I think that the potential for him to have, I feel like the floor for him is 90 yards and a touchdown, and, and especially in a PPR format, I think he's going to have like eight-plus catches, nine-plus catches probably. I, I, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. And the other guy that can make a case for him is going to be playing this weekend as well is Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill is another guy that, you know, I was able to get him into my wide receiver two spot because I saved money on these other spots. So, I got Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill both in my wide receiver one and two spots. $8,000 $8, for Adams, $7,200 for Tyreek Hill. I'd like the opportunity to basically have the two best receivers, two of the probably the best three receivers that you could possibly pick this week in my wide receivers wide, wide receiver
1: spots. And both absolute touchdown monsters too. So, big playability, red zone ability. I mean, how can you not like having Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill in your lineup? Yeah, I'm I, jealous. I, I don't have Tyreek Hill, but I do have Adams, so he's my number one guy. Okay. Uh, I love the matchup. You know Tampa Bay they're fantastic on the ground not great through the air and the Packers have Aaron Rodgers so clearly they don't mind leaning on the passing game uh in in a situation like this and Adams is going to be the number one target Rodgers really has just already picked him for his valentine this year and uh, he's just going to force feed him the ball definitely all right who, who else do you have in your wide receiver spots So, my wide receiver two spot is actually uh, Chris Godwin. Uh, I like Godwin a lot because of his volume. He's he's had actually a few drops uh, recently. I think five in the playoffs, which is really unlike him. Unlike him, him. yes. He has dealt with some finger issues. He broke a finger earlier this year and played a few games with pins in his hand. So, maybe he's still feeling some after effects from that. But out of the the wide receivers on the team i think he's most in sync with brady in terms of the route running and the target target tree um he consistently gets high levels of targets no matter what the game script is because of the type of routes he runs he's really just kind of the safety blanket but occasionally he does go long too so he does provide some touchdown upside so wide receiver two for only 5400 i'm pretty happy with chris godwin there
0: yeah i went with godwin in my wide receiver three spot because for all the reasons you're talking about, I mean, he's an elite route runner, someone who is probably the best route runner in the NFL. And he has an opportunity this week to, a little bit of an added workload especially with antonio brown and his injury he's not gonna be playing in the game so antonio brown was a guy that a lot of people were targeting possibly for the dfs lamps this week but with him gone you give a little bit of a boost to guys like chris godwin mike evans and even scotty miller so that's something you also have to consider Um, and like i said with brady i think that if green bay uh like anticipated gets out to an early lead which green bay like i said is inclined to do a lot this year. I think that throwing the ball is going to be critical for Tampa Bay to get back into the ball game. I think Brady looks Godwin's way a lot, and, and like you said, it's not like him to be dropping passes. I don't think that continues. I think it was more of kind of a fluke thing. And I, Godwin's one of the elite receivers for just for fifty four hundred dollars. I mean, the guy's not that he was last year. He was the number one fantasy receiver in elite, and a guy with just incredible talent, someone who could really make a statement of a game he's a he's an impending free agent if he has a big game in this conference final matchup you'll get he, he's gonna he's in store for a big payday either way but i mean if he really showed what he shows what he can do in this game it could be in like millions and millions of dollars added to what he eventually signs for
1: Yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, Godwin's a great wide receiver three option for you. For me at wide receiver three, uh, I'm going with John Brown, so a guy you foreshadowed in terms of your your best bets that you like him to go over the yardage and uh, the 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 touchdowns. So him as my wide receiver three. I'm also playing off of uh, the fact that I have Josh Allen as my quarterback. So the correlation factor there. If Allen does well, and um, you know, then John Brown should as well. uh, Hopefully. He can pick up some yardage. Uh, that Digs uh, maybe the Kansas City Chiefs try to shut down Digs, shade Tyron Matthew, his side, shut him down a bit, and that that will leave a lot of uh, openings for John Brown. So, you know, a guy who whose nickname is John Smoggy Brown, you know, because he he's just an absolute um, you know speed runner and can easily break one deep at any point. So, you know, I love having those deep ball guys as my uh, as my cheap options. they can can certainly make their their value with just one play certainly all right who'd you go with at tight end at tight end you know it's it's the easiest pick of the week it's an absolute lock and it's my guy travis kelsey Uh, yeah he's got the best matchup of any position and he's by far just the the easiest uh easiest option as a lock you know the other tight ends on the slate Robert Tanyan is a bit questionable he's kind of a touchdown or bust and you know I you don't need Dawson Knox you can't rely on that at all and I couldn't even tell you who Green Bay's tight end is so <laughs> I'm not yeah, Green you, Bay um, Tampa sorry Bay. about that Tampa got Bay's got Brate, tight end you know.
0: actually kind of an option Gronkowski and Breit uh, get similar workloads um, over the last few weeks Bray, I think had 8 targets last week so Bray's a guy that could be a reasonable value well, for, I th- for I th- Tampa I th- Bay
1: yeah, he's coming off of 80 yards and then 50 yards, which is surprising, but you would think you'd want Gronk in the lineup, but he has a bagel and then one for 14, which is why yeah. I'm saying, like, you really don't know who Tampa Bay's tight end is. And yeah, if yeah, you were yeah. to say, like, I like t- Tampa Bay's tight end, well, which guy do you pick?
0: Yeah. I don't know. For me, it, it'd have to be great just because of the, 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 you save the amount of money you save with the basically the upside is the same. Um, but... I want Travis Kelsey as well, I just think really just head and shoulders way better than any tight end you're going to be able to be able to pick this week. But it honestly felt like another t- possible tight end in your flex type of week where you could put Kelsey in your, t- in your tight end spot and then I also honestly like Robert Tunyon uh, for a decent game this week and I, I, I like, like I said, Bray a little bit, I like his value a little bit. But like you said, Kelsey is the only guy that, you know, he's he's easy 100 yards in the touchdown almost. And, yeah, and when you get pencil that into your tight end spot, I mean that's such a big boost. It's worth like he's I think he's like forty two hundred dollars more expensive than Robert Tunyon. So, but so I was able to get Kelsey into my lineup. But I mean, if you go if you go Tunyon or if you go Breit and you save all that money. It helps you get in guys. You could get guys like you could get Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, and Stephon Diggs maybe into your wide receiver core, or you or you get Aaron Jones into your running back position, like. If you save money by not going with Travis Kelsey, if you don't think the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points against the Bills, uh, if you think Mahomes is not 100% and doesn't throw the ball like like he like he's vintage Mahomes, then maybe you look someone else's way at tight end. You save the money and you boost up the other parts of your lineup. But I just think Kelsey is just too consistent to you know pass up at the tight end spot. I, I had to get him in for eight for eight K. He was worth it.
1: Yep, totally agree. Just the the Bills matchup, too, is just too fantastic to pass up. I think it's the best matchup out of any of the positions as well. So, that includes, you know, like Devontae Adams going against against Tampa Bay's receivers. I think that just the advantage Travis Kelce has against the linebackers of Buffalo is really strong. Definitely.
0: All right, in the flex spot, I went with Scotty Miller. I I hinted at this already. No Antonio Brown for the Buccaneers. Scotty Miller has been a guy that has a big – he's had – inconsistent peaks and valleys for Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week, uh, this year. Um, but when it's on, when he's clicking with Brady, it looks like he's the most in sync receiver in the offense. And so I picked two guys who are going to, who are good possession receivers and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller for Tampa Bay. And I think that at least one of these two guys catches a touchdown, I, I possibly both. And I think that Scotty Miller could be a good value out of the flex spot for me, um, for the Buccaneers, $3,400. Who'd you go with?
1: I like that a lot. Um, You know, Scotty Miller... He's got a few long balls in the season too. So again, yeah. he, he just, sometimes those guys need one play and there's your value. If they're in the flex spot or wide receiver three position uh, for my flex spot, I'm going with Daryl Williams. So he's the guy who projects to be the lead back right now for Kansas city. Um, we know that Clyde Edwards, is dinged up. He's coming into the game with a questionable tag. If he doesn't play at all, Daryl Williams is a smash play. He got nearly every carry compared to Le'Veon bell last week. Bell is coming into this game with an injury designation as well. Um, um, so I really like Williams chance to push for a hundred yards and a touchdown. If he is that clear bell cow and what I think is a decent option, uh, decent uh, matchup against Buffalo's defense. Um, So, yeah, he's not the flashiest or sexiest play, but in terms of somebody who should get double digit carries, I think he makes a good value option. Um, Again, one thing to note just check on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, his injury. And if he is, if we're hearing that uh, before game time, he's expected to handle 80% of the workload and he's looking healthy, you know, that's someone I'm probably going to pivot off of.
0: I like it. I, I agree with you there. I, I just i am optimistic for Allaire's health. I think he's going to at least be a, a a big part of what Kansas City's offense tries to do this week. I don't know how effective he's going to be. So, I so, don't know if, if Darrell Williams ends up getting some of his workload cut because of that. But, you mm-hmm. know, Williams was, I mean, basically a split with Le'Veon Bell last week. So, I think that there's still some value whether or not... Uh, Alaire plays. I think Williams has some of some of his standalone value, but obviously the price tag would go down, obviously, if Alaire's, you know, more close to hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and Hilaire is only um two hundred dollars more. So if the news before game time is that Hilaire looks really healthy and is expected to carry a majority of the workload, pretty easy to swap those two guys out. Maybe you have to, you know, switch one of the defenses to save a hundred dollars here or there. But yeah, you know, you should have decent roster flexibility to switch between those two depending on who's getting the starting nod on Sunday. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Rolling into the
0: defensive position. I went with the cheapest defense, honestly, the $2,700 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I have two reasons here. I mean, every offense that's left is really good. Every team has a good offense. And so there's really no good matchup here. Left and I went with the most talented defense in Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Green Bay Packers have the most talented offense, but the best defense that's left is the Buccaneers defense. You saw how effective they were last week against uh, New Orleans. I mean, it made a huge difference that Devin White was back in their lineup last week. I mean, he missed the game against the uh, Washington football team and it showed, I mean, the guy backup, Trevor Heineke, rolled. He rolled against, uh, The Tampa Bay defense played really well. I wonder if the absence of Devin White in that game was shown more significantly than maybe we realized. I think that when Devin White returned last week, I mean, think he had like 11 tackles last week, uh, interception, and a fumble recovery. Guy was all over the football field. I think he's if if but if uh, Tampa Bay beats Green Bay, I think we're going to be talking about Devin White uh, and, and a big player too that he came up with in this game
1: yeah i think for tampa bay to beat green bay uh, we talked about the game script is going to have to be you know a nice defensive performance from tampa bay so if you think that that's a possible game script where you know for this team to win the defense needs to play well i don't think we're saying that about any of the, the other three teams but we are saying that about tampa bay and they are the most talented defense you know with all the guys we we've already listed off and last week they created four turnovers and so for dfs the the turnover creation is is wildly important and then team that creates a lot of quarterback pressure that that often leads to turnover so definitely a great opportunity you know taking the rams last week didn't exactly pay off so you know we're going to double down on the strategy and hopefully uh turns around this week yeah you want
0: buccaneers as well Yep.
1: One with one the same thing. One for the cheap guys. I don't know how you talent. pick your
0: defense. I don't know how you pick your defense this week. I mean really it's a coin flip and I just went with the cheapest option and the most talented option I think. So I, uh, that was my reasoning and really you can make a case. A coin, it's a coin flip for any of these defenses. You, you can get lucky with another one. I think the Buccaneers might be one of the heaviest rostered defenses this week for DFS. So if you want to look at someone else's way maybe you think Buffalo's able to stifle maybe Mahomes isn't 100%. Maybe that storyline plays out and you see Buffalo's defense keep Kansas City's offense a little bit more at bay than anticipated that's a possibility as well but really it's tough to see how any of these defenses make that significant of a difference for dfs for anybody this week and so that's really the biggest argument for why you would just pick the cheapest one and then fit and use this
1: the savings to to fit in better values across your roster Right, yeah, just just like all four quarterbacks we, we think are probably going to do pretty well, all four defenses, we, we can't really differentiate between them because the matchups are all so bad. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of okay with being interchangeable there and being flexible in terms of who you're going to select at defense as long as it allows you to have more differentiation in the, the players where we do think there are important matchups, at wide receiver at running back at tight end.
0: Exactly. All right. That's a wrap for our DFS segment to read off our lamps right before we wrap it up here. I want Tom Brady at quarterback, $6,100. Ronald Jones and Devin Singletary in my running back spots, $4,600 and $4,500. In my wide receiver slots, I have Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Chris Godwin. That's eight thousand, seventy-two hundred, and fifty-four hundred dollars and dollars respectively for each of those guys. And then Travis Kelsey for $8,000 at tight end. Scotty Miller and my flex for $3,400. And the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers for $2,700 against Green Bay Packers. Right off of yours, Connor. Are you
1: sure that's under 50 grand, Ben? I don't know how you got Devontae Adams, Tyreek Kelly, and Travis Kelsey all into the same lineup, man. You you pulled yeah. some and magic a, a, out there. $100
0: savings, too. $100 savings.
1: <laughs> well, you can kick that back my way. <laughs> You go so ahead? for my lineup, uh I had Josh Allen at quarterback, uh Leonard Fournette at running back one, Devin Singletary at running back two, Devontae Adams heading off my wide receiver core, then I have Chris Godwin, wide receiver two, John Brown, and then at tight end I have Travis Kelsey in the Flex the running back Darrell Williams, and at defense I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: Yeah. I like it, Connor. I think we got some good picks for people this week. And remember, I mean, there's there's not that many options for you this week. So I think that targeting some of the guys, I mean, really there's not really many other selections to to highlight besides the ones that we already have. I think that we have some money some money lineups and some guys that are gonna hit it big this week
1: absolutely you know last week the the strategy for the two tight end system if you if you had like kelsey and andrews it probably paid off and i could see that working again for for kelsey and like tanyan or something so definitely a a few different ways to play around but i love our lineups and it smells like some cash this weekend for us
0: all right buddy i like it i think we're i'm excited for what we have going um for us this week i think we're gonna start for some exciting football I'm I'm just I can't wait for this for these quarterback matchups Brady Rodgers Allen Mahomes the, the the past versus the future of the NFL really I mean Rodgers and Brady have been intertwined with the skeleton of the NFL for so long now <laughs> and then Mahomes and Allen are are the future of the league so just two matchups that play perfectly into what the NFL need Needed this year? What just the difficulty with the the TV ratings and the COVID t- pandemic situation? The season really needed this type of finish where you're, you're you're getting the teams and the narratives that you really want you really want down the stretch.
1: I, I think we have an overall theme for this episode, and that's the past versus the future when you talk about these two football games. But then you also talk about the fact that we had a a, a past president and a new president, and so you know the, all the talking points. There you go. Yep. All right, buddy.
0: So um, I mentioned that uh, I really enjoyed the Amanda Gorman speech at the Joe Biden inauguration. So... Uh, she, she a bit. One of her uh, her quotes was that the hill we climb, that that's gonna be the, the 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 battle between these underdogs for Brady and Allen. I think that they they got hills to climb. They got these elite teams they're gonna be facing off against. Can the the Tom Brady led Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense uh, stifle Green Bay just long enough so T- Tom Brady and his offense can operate and and overcome the hill that is the the Green Bay Packers. Historically elite offense, and then you got the questions with J- uh, Josh Allen climbing the hill, trying to overcome the Super Bowl champions and what the, basically the favorites everybody had coming into the season. I think Josh Allen's trying to put a damper on some of those expectations. So the hill they climb, Amanda Gorman, really really good speech. I liked it, and uh, tried to find some way to try to relate it to the closing of the podcast.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: All right, buddy, that's it for episode 62 of our conference championship weekend analysis. Really enjoyed this one, Connor. Uh, looking forward to this week's slate of games and uh, what we have going forward for the Super Bowl week. We'll try to do probably two podcasts uh, before the Super Bowl, and we'll, we'll get some analysis and, so, and some prop bets and maybe some year-long look-aheads and, and look-backs and what we uh, were able to accomplish this year on Vicious Talk and, and all things analysis. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Ben. All right, everybody. Remember to please uh, subscribe to All Things Analysis on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, allthingsanalysis.com. You can subscribe on our website there. You're doing a a real good job on our Instagram page. We have uh, some really good stuff going on there. We're able to DM fans and people about questions for DFS. We get all kinds of that kind of stuff. And we get comments on our our power rankings and our, our analysis for what we've been able to put out for all things analysis. And I think that if you, if you if nothing else, just go ahead. And please follow in, uh, us on Instagram, ATA All Things Analysis on Instagram. We're doing a really good job there. Also, please subscribe, rate, review Vicious Talk with Benny P on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Google Podcasts, We're on all the platforms. Really appreciate everybody's support. Um, also make sure you listen to our, our, some of our previous episodes I had on episode episodes, 59 and 60 were some of the best vicious talk episodes that I've been able to be a, be a part of our oral history of the Montebello stars and a lot of the experiences that people had with Armando Perez, my grandfather and the mentor and the man that he was just was a real pleasure to, to do those podcasts. And so if you listen to any other podcasts, um, here for vicious talk, I'd definitely recommend those two as well. All right, buddy. Let's keep it popping this week. All right, let's close it out with, remember to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious?